0: Okay, we're gonna have, we're gonna start this selection off or we're gonna start the sermon off with just a little musical selection in the beginning. So just listen to this really quick. I think it's like nine seconds. It's supposed to get a little bit longer, but that's okay the selection that you just now heard from is from Miss Lauren Hill and the reason why I selected that song or I'm actually even talking about this album is that Lauren when she made this album she started to realize that there were certain expectations and assumptions that were made for her as a young black woman she was an artist and still of course is an artist And in the hip-hop and R&B world, there are assumptions that are made of young black women. Then she also grew up in a urban suburban area. And then there are assumptions that are made about young black women. And then on top of that, society also has assumptions and expectations. So she stepped out of these things for a little while and looked at it and saw that the education, the things that she was being taught about herself were incorrect. She was being miseducated. That's what the album is called, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. And she actually makes this album to go against and to subvert these expectations. The album is phenomenal. It won five Grammys, and it allowed people to actually look at themselves in a totally different way than what they might have been portrayed to look at. The reason why we're starting there is because we do the same thing with Jesus. When we come to Christ, sometimes we put expectations on him that are not the expectations that he's going to fulfill. Today, we're just going to do a classic look at something that we've probably all heard of, the, uh, the, the wedding at Cana. Like, I mean, even if you've never been versed in Scripture, if you listen to comedians, you've heard at least the outcome of this mentioned in jokes. Jesus, the man who turns water into wine, How swaggy is he? How awesome is that dude? I want him at our parties. So we've heard this many times, but I want us to actually come and look with a totally different outlook and and may the Lord bless us in a way that we have never even thought that we were going to be blessed. So with that, let's turn to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. It reads as such. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some, some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, The first of his signs, Jesus did at Canaan in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. Let's bow our heads and our hearts. Hmm. Righteous Father, we come before you, asking that you allow your spirit to have his way. I pray that he prepares our hearts, our minds, our ears, to truly be able to hear what you state from your word. I pray that I give you all of me, and that you use it as you see fit, so that you can be glorified, and that we can be transformed, renewed in our faith, walking in unity with one another. We love you, and we praise you, in Jesus' name we pray these things, amen. Before we can delve into John 2, 1 and 12, we really have to do a quick study of Mary. Because Mary is going to say something to Jesus that is full of expectation. It's rife with it. But if we don't know the story of Mary or a little bit about her, then we're not going to understand why she's even making this statement. So, story starts. Mary, visited by Gabriel, the angel, states that the Lord wants to Use her to be the mother of the Messiah. When he visits her, he, she is like maybe 25, 27, 28. No, 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 no. No. When he visits her, he is, she is three to five years older than my daughter right now. My daughter is 10. So here is the angel of God asking a little girl to make such a profound decision. Being pregnant, as I've talked to my wife about it because I have no personal understanding of myself. But it can change, of course, your physiology, your anatomy as things are moved around. It's gonna change you hormonally. Those are just some of the physical aspects. So she has to agree to that. But even more importantly, for her, To be pregnant while being betrothed to Joseph could be scandalous. And it's not like scandalous, like, oh, okay, like, (laughs) like, oh, there goes Mary. Like, how did that happen? Like, no, this could be a death penalty for her. Gabriel actually has to go to Joseph and says, no, this is from God. And you will marry her and you will keep her. Because Joseph is contemplating if he's going to do this or not. He loves her, but he doesn't understand what this is until Gabriel comes and tells him. So she makes that decision. Then... As she goes further on in the pregnancy, they have to leave Galilee and go down to Judea. It's a far trip. Nine months pregnant, on a mule. Days and days of travel. Then, when she actually gets to the destination, finally, I can see her, like, getting off the mule, like, oh, okay, like, okay, get me in the room, quick, I need to be in the room. Sorry, ma'am, there's no room for you. What do you mean? What? What do you mean? What do you mean there's no room for me? Do you know who I'm carrying? We have room for you in the manger. Can you imagine? We talked about expectation. Steve did such a great job of talking about the general, right? The general comes there and he's like, okay, this is gonna get fixed quick fast, right? (laughs) Okay, tell me what you need me to do. Go say a prayer, do that thing, so I can be healed. It's like, nah man, you gotta go dip into Jordan. I love what he said to him. He was like, why did I have to come to the Jordan to dip? From where I came from before, didn't they have enough lakes and land- for me to go ahead and dip in? I had to come all the way here to dip in the Jordan? Nah. Because we have expectations of God. When Mary signed up, I'm sure she's not thinking like, oh my goodness, I'm going to give birth to the Messiah in a manger. But she does, swaddles him up in clothes. But then God intervenes in such a mighty way to show that yes, you might think that this is off script, But it's not. First thing we do, we see some shepherds come and they visit her. They are repeating what an angel told to them. And this is what the angel said in Luke 2, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. Okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that, was, that was unexpected. That might be giving her a little bit of comfort, like, okay, let's see what's going on here. A Couple of days later, wise men from the east come. Matthew two eleven. this is what they do. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, And they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening up their treasures, they offered him gifts. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. The infant, they're offering all these things. The infant, they are worshipping. Okay, that, also pretty awesome. Are you still unsure, Mary? They take Jesus to the temple like all good Jews for him to come before the Lord. There they meet Simeon. Simeon is this faithful man. And the Lord declared to him that he would not die until he saw this. Luke 2, verses 29 and 30. Lord, now, this is Simeon holding Jesus. Every time I read this, I get tears in my eyes. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your Salvation. Putting his fingers through Jesus' hands, rubbing his face, I have seen your salvation. Mary's experiences of all these things that are occurring as she looks onto him This little one that is now hers, it's summed up in Luke 2.19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. How overwhelming is that, to have all these people come to you at various times and tell you about this child. But then life goes on. No, Jesus grows up. There's a period where we don't even hear anything about Christ, about Jesus. They're just living life together. They're mother and son, and they have brothers. She has other kids later on, and brothers, and things of that nature, and they're just living. So I'm just, like, picturing their life. I'm picturing, like, you know, Jesus is getting ready to go out somewhere. He has a little bit of, like, sleep in his eye, and she's, like, licking her finger. It's like, come here, Jesus, come here. Can't have you going out there looking like a ragamuffin. Come on now. Let me, let me, let me wipe that up. And he's like, Ma, get out of here. Like, I see... All of their interactions. But then, time keeps ticking. And then Jesus is a teenager. And he's in his 20s. And Mary's still pondering these things in her heart. She knows what's been said about him. But, you know... When is it going to happen? When is he going to do it? I did hear correct, right? Do we know people that we are fond of, we believe that they are so talented, they have so many gifts, and we're waiting for them to use it? It's like, yo, if she does this, she is going to kill it. I'm waiting for her. and you're just waiting, and you're waiting like, my back is getting tired, man. My quads are starting to burn, I'm waiting though. I'm gonna wait. Ooh, my knees, my knees, my neck, my shoulder. Is she gonna do it? Oh, maybe she won't. Maybe he won't. He's 30, and it's like, know what was said about him when I was a kid and I said yes to God it's been 30 years what 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 am I missing like the expectation is palpable for her Maybe for everyone else, you're just like, oh, that's just Jesus. Like, whatever. Like, he does the thing. Like, he's a good dude. Like, I don't have anything wrong to say about him. I mean, he does live in Nazareth. But, I mean, other than that, like, I mean, he's pretty cool. Right? But for her, she has this expectation of who he is. So, now we get to the wedding. Now we're getting ready to have a little bit of fun. This is where it gets fun. The title of this sermon is renewed faith the power of the power of confronted expectations renewed faith the power of confronted expectations so we have this wedding most of us had the honor and the privilege to see Stephen and Alexa get married. We were able to see the joy when Alexa walked down the aisle and saw Stephen, and Stephen saw her, and they started to cry. Yes, I'm calling you out. In a beautiful way, because it was so awesome. Tears of joy. Their ups and downs, whatever it is, it's all done. They finally made it. And we were all there celebrating. And oh, did we celebrate. We talked a little, we ate a little bit, and oh, did we dance. This is the same thing in weddings in Eastern culture. They're just usually a lot longer. Like, they don't usually last one day. They last days. Sometimes seven days, depending on what culture you're from. But it also is just this exuberant celebration of this wonderful thing that is going on with a man and a woman becoming one. So they're at this wedding. The problem is, for the bridegroom and his family, they're the ones that take care of the preparations. They have to make sure that everybody is taken care of, everybody is fed, everybody is able to drink freely, as we're gonna talk about later. There's a lot of pressure on them. We understand this. Have you ever gone to a wedding when there wasn't an open bar? People in the corner, they're like, dude, they don't got an open bar? Yeah, dude, I didn't know I was going to have to bring my own bottle. I got bottles. I would have brought mad bottles. Like, I know, this is crazy. Like, yeah. How long do you think they're going to last? Two years? It's like, what, what we got? Uh, like, what you got? Above and like, oh, definitely under. Definitely under, like that dude don't got no dough. Do you see the food that they served us? Yeah, like country fried, country fried steak? Like that's, it's just a big chicken nugget <laughs> with beef. That ain't natural. That's not non-GMO, right? This is the stuff that we do today. And it was done then, too. So, some people say that Mary, and of course, Jesus, are either very close friends with this family, or might be related. Because of the way that Mary responds, when the crisis occurs, so just picture this: everybody is having a good time. I'm seeing Jesus like in the, the corner with his disciples. He's hitting them with a two step. like yeah, a two step. Judas is on the wall with his his knee up, looking at Jesus dancing, rolling his eyes. Like I do is definitely a fraud. Definitely not the Messiah. But he doesn't allow me to hold this, uh, the, the, the coin purse. One for the poor, one for me, two for the poor, four for me. Peter, I can see him getting crazy, like trying to get Jesus hyped, like, Yeah, let's go, Jesus. Jesus, is, like, hitting it and hitting them. Everybody is dancing, talking, celebrating. They have no idea that any second. The record can scratch because there's no wine. Mary knows. I see Mary making her way through, beelining it to Jesus. Jesus is still dancing. She taps Jesus. He turns around, looks at her. There is no wine. I love that she made it a statement. I love that it wasn't a question. I'm like, "Oh, do you know that there's no wine or do this?" She's like, "There is. No wine. So then the next thing we have to start asking is like, what does Mary want Jesus to do? Right? Like, what do you want him to do? Well, there's a couple of things we know that she's not expecting him to do. When the word of God took on flesh, and came among us he gave up laid to aside some of the things that he had before one of those would be riches jesus is not a rich man he is not damian lillard He does not have Hulu money, right? He's not shooting money up in the air. He doesn't have that. He is not Prince Akeem. Right? Jesus' face is not printed on any denarii. she knows this. But let's say if he could, right? Because now we have another option. Let's say if he was that dude. Let's say if Jesus like, you know, his mom comes up and says, there's no wine. He's like, "Ah! ma, no problem. Judas, throw me some denarii. And you're like throwing denarii, and it's like some denarii is like hitting people in the face, knocking them out. And it's just like, yeah, go Jesus, go Jesus. Like, that dude's crazy. Like, go, go, right? <laughs> Let's say if he could do that. There's also another issue. Wine needs to be brought there. There is no prime shipping. Brown can't do nothing for you. Even if you had all the wealth, it's like how in the world are you going to get this wine here? So she's not looking for something natural. She's looking for something super natural. Mary is not going to Jesus as his mother, Mary is going to Jesus as his follower, as his worshiper. You can do this. Just hearing that in a vacuum, you think like, oh, this, the answer to this question is going to be like, or this statement is going to be like, of course, mom, I didn't know it was troubling you so much, of course. Nah. Nah. The answer that he gives can be a woe kind of answer. Whoa. Whoa, woman, what does this have to do with me? <sighs> At first, it seems harsh, or could be, but we really have to break it down. So, he starts off, woman. Woman in the Greek is not a a relatively disrespectful word. It's not, it just means woman. Now, of course, in some contexts, it might be able to be discerned as disrespectful, but I don't believe this is one. The problem here is, as we translate things, especially into English, even though English is a very beautiful language, it does not give nuance in terms of mood and even familiarity. For instance, let's think of Spanish right? I'm walking downtown and I see Miguel. And I'm like, Miguel, ¿cómo estás? ¿Adónde vas? ¿Quieres salir conmigo? But if I meet someone else downtown and I don't really know them, then I say, ¿cómo está usted? ¿Adónde va? ¿Quieres? Quieres salir conmigo? Now, if we translate those, they are going to be the same exact thing. How are you? Where are you going? Do you want to leave with me? But Because of how it is used, one allows for familiarity, one shows that, wow, there's a camaraderie between them, and the other one says there's a respect, like they're still cordial, but there's a respect between them. That's what this is. She comes as a follower, and she's right, because he is the Messiah. But if you come as a follower, you must be able to understand that our king will respond to us in a way in which we're going to be able to see things the way he sees them. Woman, what does this have to do with me? The Greek for how this has to do with me is so beautiful. It's like, kind of like stating, like, what you see and what I see, like, are we seeing the same? Or are what you are hearing or thinking, or is it the same? Then he hits her with something that's like, okay, what? Does this mean my hour has not yet come? There are two other places in John, chapter 7, verse 30, verse 8, verse 20, that speak of Jesus' hour not coming. Then we get to John 12. I'm not sure if we have this, John 12. If we don't, I'm gonna read it. Verse 20, it reads as this. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks, so these came to Philip who was from Bethsaida and Galilee, and asked them, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Mary believes this is a situation that the Messiah should intervene. And also in intervening, he will show himself to be the Messiah. Jesus looks at her and says, what are you seeing? my glorification, which is going to come at the cross and with my resurrection, that is the thing that is going to show that I am the Messiah. My hour has not yet come. It is such a wise statement, I can't even describe it. The reason why is going to make much more sense is as we continue through John, we're going to see that signs, as magnificent as they are, have one weakness, human expectation. Chapter 1 of John, there is the herald of Christ, John the Baptist, behold! The Lamb of God, behold, there's one among you who is before me and is after me, whose sandal, his laces I can't even untie, yet tie. John chapter 1 is going to be the end of us hearing about the herald of Jesus. John the Baptist is going to come in chapter 3, but it's not about he's going to teach his disciples something. Something's going to be very awesome. But from now on, the thing that's going to herald who Jesus is are going to be these signs. And oh, are they great. Crippled men walking after 30 years. Thousands of people being fed off of meager supplies, blind man from his whole life, birth, given sight again, ultimately culminating with Lazarus. A man rotting in his tomb is going to be made whole. You would think that these signs would have people on their knees but there's gonna be so much division. Is he not Mary's son? Is he not Joseph's son? Do we not know him? Has Has he studied with the Pharisees or the Sadducees? Has he gone to school? Who has given him authority? Oh my goodness, he is from Galilee. No, uh-uh. it's like Jesus' CV doesn't match up with what they think the Messiah is. Like, hmm, ZipRecruiter, like, eh. like, why is this? Why is this dude applying to the Messiah? Like, I don't understand. Like, none of his things match up. Expectations. Point one that I want us to write down or remember. The power of Jesus is revealed when we allow him to confront our expectations. The power of Jesus is revealed when we allow him to confront our expectations. My life is not going the way I expected it, Jesus. I am a follower of you, and I understand that you said the world would hate me, but man, it's a lot of hate, too much hate. I was expecting a little bit of a reprieve. How can you sit back and allow this to happen? There is too much pain. I know you say you're with me, but I always feel alone. Why don't I feel like I am part of anyone or anything? You said you would never betray me or forsake me, but I feel forsaken. I am always alone. What are our expectations of God? And when he confronts us with them, are we willing to do what Mary does? Let's continue. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Point two, the power of Jesus is revealed when we submit to his will. The power of Jesus is revealed when we submit to his will. This could have been another woe moment. Right? Whoa, it could have been. I don't know about your mothers, but if I called my mother, woman, I might have got a telephone thrown at me. Literally, it did happen. Dyfus, I'm too old. You cannot go arrest my mother now. It's too done. It's done. But it did happen. Maybe some of you slippers. Yes, yes, Maria, yes, right? I could see Mary getting really Hebrew with Jesus. She can get ethnic, like, hold on, let me take off these earrings. Let me, did you just call me? What do you think this is? You know I went from Galilee to Judea on a mule, with guess what? You, you. Do you know that I was in a manger with some goats and other bad at me the whole time, with you. And you gonna call me woman? Where my slipper? Like you thirty, but I still, I still smack you. Don't don't mess around. But she didn't. She submitted to him because she wasn't just his mother, she was his follower. Do whatever he tells you. That is the hardest thing when we feel like our expectations aren't being met. And then Jesus confronts us to look at our situation differently, to love our enemies, to give people that would harm you more of yourself. When he says all that stuff, it's so hard. But will we fight him? I'm telling you the truth. In the book of John, as we continue through here, whoever's going to keep preaching, you're going to see that all the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these people that had different expectations, all they did was fight him. And they fought him, and you're like reading, and you're like, why are you fighting? It's like, why? And the same sometimes can be said for us. Let's continue. Verse 6. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor (laughs) wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. Third point. The power of Jesus is revealed when he takes the discarded and uses it to exceed our expectations. When Jesus takes the discarded and uses them to exceed our expectations. The beautiful thing about this story, about this thing, is that we really don't know what Mary would have been satisfied with. Like if Jesus would have brought like three pictures, like, like here. Like here's a soda stream. Okay, here. Like, psh. Wine, 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 which she would have been like, great. Or where she'd have been like, "Mm, (laughs) you can do better, dude. Like, what's that? Like, what, what, we don't know what was going to be satisfactory. These jars of pure use for the rites of purification are used for ritualistic washing. When we're talking about purification, we're saying that, oh, I'm in a place of standing where I can interact with the community and then also God. There might be some things that I may have touched, it's called the impurity of contagion, that can cause me to be ritualistically impure. When we go to the book of Leviticus, there's a whole bunch of stuff that talks about what we can do in order, if you were an Israelite, to get back into right standing. One of these things is washing. Sometimes you have to wash your body, your hands, face, clothes. Sometimes you have to separate yourself for some time but then you are able to come back into the fold. It's a time of celebration, so nobody's really worried about these jars. They'll be used for another time. But just think about this for a second. Those jars, when people are washing themselves, symbolically, hold the sin of the people, it's sin water. Esa agua no es buena, that water is no good, right? No, that is not aquafina. Chris, not that Aquafina. Let's try another one. Like that. Oh, I do love that smile though. That's awesome. That's cool. But not that Aquafina. No, no. We want the Yes. It's not Aquafina. That's not refreshing. You don't want anything to do with that water. And here we have those vessels that contain the water. These sin soaked vessels. Jesus says, fill those things up. That's what I'm going to use. I wonder if he told Mary that. <laughs> All right, Ma, you want me to make some wine? All right, I'm going to use those jars. She might have went crazy. Like, what are you talking about? You can't use... Do we know what that... You can't do that. They are separated. They're used for one thing and one thing only—the sins of us. But he's like, "Nope, I'm going to repurpose that thing." Watch this right here. Tells the servants to take, take it to the master of the feast. Man, go ahead, do that. Do that thing. I can see them. I would be trembling, <laughs> taking this thing to the master of the feast. The master of the feast is basically JLo. In Wedding Planner, that's who the master of the feast is. Like, you know, like sewing up things, like, oh, you're, you're, your pocket is a little, oh, let me do that. That's who the master of the feast is. You can't bring J-Lo this. Like, you, imagine that, right? But they do. Shaking, probably. He grabs this. And he. Have you guys ever seen Color Purple? Color Purple? Celie has an awful marriage, to say the least. And her father-in-law is also a horrendous dude. He comes by their house, and she talked to her friends earlier, like, okay, if he comes by, I'm going to spit in his drink, and I'm going to serve it to him. Oh, so she does. Spits. She, you know, blends that thing in, brings it, and I love the shot. He's sitting on a chair, and she's behind him. Just looking, and he's sitting, and it's just like, every time I watch that, I'm like, even though I'm like, for sealy, like, yeah, get him, Zele, and it's like, but then I see him start dreaming, like, you get, you get heebie-jeebies, right? Here they are, giving it to the master to feast. I see the servants also probably, like, holding hands, like, like, dude, if you knew where that came from, man, like, I don't even know what that's going to taste like. That's just water in, in the vessels. I don't even know. Like, there's, like, and this dude tastes it. Probably, like, drops. Like, where do you, don't even tell me where you got this from. Where, where is the bridegroom? Like, dude, you gotta inform me of stuff like this. Like, I'm the one that keeps the party going. The master of ceremony, he takes care of making sure that the wine is distributed perfectly, puts water in some, does things. So for this, it's like, what are you doing? You saved the best wine? for last. Isn't this what Jesus does? For some of us, maybe we think that our lives have passed us by. We're good Christ followers, we're going forward, but things just have not gone the way they should, and it seems like our years are just like those jars. They're just like discarded. They have no relevance. And then we go to Jesus and we're like, look at my wasted years. I was expecting something different than this. You explain to me what that is. Jesus said, oh, you think those were wasted years? Bring them here. Fill it up. Taste it. Sufferings, heartbreaks, things not going the way we think they should feeling ignored sometimes, whatever it is. The Lord can take and does take the things that we would disregard as useless, and he makes them so amazingly potent. My relationship with my family is not the way I want it to be, we might say. Too many years, too many hostile conversations. It cannot be redeemed. Grace is like, really? It can't? It can't be redeemed? Do you not know? Like, what is your, what is, what is that got to do with me? What is that lack like of faith in that? What does that got to do with me? Come here. Bring them. Bring them. Here. Fill it up. Taste it. Let's continue. Last point. This is the first of his signs, verse 11. Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, or Capernaum, with his mother and his brothers and his disciples. And they stayed there for a few days. Last point, point four. The power of Jesus is revealed when our faith is renewed And we are able to walk together in unity. The power of Jesus is revealed when our faith is renewed. And we are able to walk together in unity. Chapter 1, as Bernardo was talking about last time, last week. We get these interactions with some of the disciples. One of them is Nathaniel. Jesus says, I saw you underneath a fig tree. And he's like, you, you are the Christ. You are the Lord. And then Jesus is like, wait, the guy said I saw you underneath a fig tree? That's why you're saying that? i tell you the truth. Heavens will open up, and angels will descend and ascend on the Son of Man. The Lord renews our faith day to day, and here is an example. He does this magnanimous thing, and it says that the disciples believed in him. It didn't mean they didn't believe in him in chapter 1. It just means now it's even firmer. I love what Steve said. Sometimes there's miracles that happens for us that the Lord does, and we can forget those things. But it is in walking and being with God at all times, him in our pains, him doing things that we didn't, him in our our failed expectations dealing with us and showing us a brand new way of us being able to think and move and be that allows us to renew our faith. In the beginning of chapter two, when we started this, it said that, you know, Mary was at the wedding and then, oh, also Jesus and his disciples. I don't know if John wrote it that way and make it seem like, okay, maybe they came at different times, maybe I don't know what's going on, but At the end, they all leave together. We didn't even know that Jesus' brothers were there in the beginning. In a divided time, church, a time where people are being drawn to their various sides, various poles, a polarization is occurring. Are you being attracted this way? Or are you being attracted that way? The world, arguing with one another about points every day, Pointing the finger at other sides, not for us, not us. Our Savior has done powerful things for us to be able to look at one another with love and grace and truth. We will not be like the world. We may have differences on certain things, but they will not divide us. Because it's not in those things that we stand. Those things do not make us who we are. I've been a Democrat since birth. I've been a Republican since birth. I've been this since birth. I've been that since birth. Who cares? You are dead in Christ and risen again in his glory and power. We do not hold on to the things of the world any longer. We submit our expectations to him. Every day as a black man, I go to the Lord and I say, do you see us? Do you see what's happening to us? Do you care? Yes, I see. Johannes. Why do you think I called you? Why do you think I called all those who are feel neglected and hurt to me so that they can go and preach the gospel of reconciliation to the world? He subverts our expectations. Lays them bare at our feet. Please, let's not pick them up. But let's be like Mary and submit on to his will. So, to recap. <sighs> the power of Jesus is revealed when we allow him to confront our expectations. The power of Jesus is revealed when we submit to his will. The power of Jesus is revealed when we allow when he uses our discarded things to expand and blow our expectations. The power of Jesus is revealed when he renews our faith and allows us to walk together in unity. Renewed faith, the power of confronted. Expectation. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being a God that allows us to walk with you in our pain and our disappointment, that you even let us come and tap you on the shoulder and scream the things that we feel. Thank you for not leaving us alone in our pain, in our anguish, in our broken expectations, but you redirect us to see things the way you see them allow us to submit unto you so that we can see that the things that we think were discarded, you can transform in ways we never thought. Renewing our faith in you, renewing our faith in one another. Allowing us to walk hand in hand in unity. You are marvelous and we praise and adore you in the name of our king the only king in Jesus we pray amen